The following audio message by Dudley Hall is presented by Kerygma Ventures. More information is available at www.kerygmaventures.com. Well, glory. My, it's great to be back with you again this month. Looking forward to our study together. I want to recommend to you a couple of things. One is if you have not registered for the family reunion this year, you must register. This will be the last time that we'll be holding the family reunion at the Shaco Assembly Grounds in Talladega, Alabama. We will be, on the next year, we'll be doing something in April that will take the place of the family reunion, but we'll be doing it in Prosper, Texas at the Lighthouse Christian Fellowship, and it will include a whole lot more. But this year, as our climax event, you will want to be there. Uh, the, the usual stars and suspects are there. Alan Wright will be there. We'll have great musicians and worship leaders, and uh, we'll be there teaching on the implications of the gospel and be wonderful fellowship and prayer and all of, all the stuff that's been a part of the family reunion in that location since 1977. So please register. Let, uh, let's make this the best one of all. So register you, your children. We have great children's ministry. We have young people ministry. It's truly a family extravaganza. I know it's a it's a tough week in the year, the first weekend in December, and that's one of the reasons we are changing it in the future. It's because that is uh, such a hard week, but it's worth it. So please register for that. Call the office. Go online. Register. While you're at it, I want to encourage you to uh, avail yourself of the little book I wrote some time ago called Follow Me. It was It's written to get people started in the Christian faith, but it's excellent study on just what are the basics of the Christian faith. What does it mean to follow Jesus as it relates to embracing uh, what he's done on the cross and how you get started hearing his voice and so forth? This little book is designed for you to go through it with other people. There are questions and answers. There's discussion. There, it's a fabulous book for that. For that reason, we want to offer it to you in uh, some bulk form and give you the benefit of, of uh, being able to ship that way. If you order more than five, we can give them to you at, at half price, uh, half of what they typically sell for. So you can get them for six bucks a piece, five for 30, and in multiples of five, you can get them that way. Please order some of those. Consider taking your family through it. Consider meeting a friend for lunch for a few weeks or coffee and going through it together. Consider it uh, as a, an evangelistic tool, as a discipling tool. You ought to always have a few lying around your office, in your car, around your house so that you can say to someone who might ask you a question, hey, would you like to meet with me for a few times and let's really get into that? And this will help you to deal with the real issues of basic Christianity, the foundations of faith. So order, follow me. All righty. Okay, this month I want to talk to you about uh, always a serious subject, but I want to talk to you about the whole issue of have we cut a deal with the devil? Is it possible that the American church has cut a deal with the devil and that we now have the devil to pay? When Jesus started his ministry, he 
he was led in the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. And this was uh, a temptation, much like Adam and Eve had faced in the in the garden. It's ex- exactly the same kind of temptation Israel had faced in the wilderness. And so Jesus, as the last Adam and as the ultimate Israelite, is now facing the same battle. But the results will be different. Uh, Adam failed in his confrontation with Satan's deal, and so did Israel. But the last Adam and the ultimate Israel did not fail. And we find that story in Luke 4. It's also in some of the other Gospels. But in Luke 4, uh, I want to read it with you. It says, verse 1, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it's been delivered to me, and I'll give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It is that temptation I'd like to focus upon today because I was intrigued by Satan's offer. Satan was willing for Jesus to have a Christ-rule kingdom on the earth if it was bloodless. In other words, he's offering to Jesus, apart from the cross, the right to rule. Now, I know there are Bible scholars who will debate whether or not Satan really had that right or whatever, but the point is he he was willing to give up the rule of the earth, his rule of the earth, to Jesus if he just would avoid what it costs for redemption, if he would re- avoid the the blood. It's interesting, isn't it, that we today are willing to settle for a bloodless redemption as well. Russell Moore, in his book called Onward, says, Satan did not fear a bloodless moralism. He had nothing to fear but the blood itself. It seems that Satan is perfectly satisfied promoting the values and ethics of moral living. He knows what evidently many Christians don't, that moral standards can't rescue hell-enslaved people. You see, the gates of hell remain securely in place against all attacks of well-meaning moralists desiring to produce a happy society without a bloody redemption. So Peter has said that the devil, chapter First uh, Peter 5, 8, the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I wonder if the devil has found someone. You know, he, we've already said he, he, faced, he faced Adam in the wilderness and he won that one. He faced uh, 
They faced Israel. They faced Adam in the garden, Israel in the wilderness. Job talks about a time uh, in the prologue of Job, book of Job. God is speaking to uh, Satan and said, where have you been? He said, I've been walking to and fro throughout the earth. What what is he doing walking to and fro throughout the earth? Well, he's looking for somebody who will make a deal. And my concern is that he's made a deal. And uh, the American church was the, was the dupe. Uh, we, we bought in there. What, what is, what is the offer that Satan was offering to Christ? Uh, well, as I said, it's a Christ rule, but bloodless kingdom. It's where moral and ethical values rule, even religion itself, just no blood. So the offer must have sounded something like this, you know, uh, to, to us, that is to the American church, you know, you, you, you really need to influence the world, the, the devil would tell us. Uh, and in order to influence the world you live in, you have to have a big footprint. You, you can't, you can't affect things from a weak position. You can't affect things from a minority position. It, it's the, it's the elite who are ruling, and you you got to have a, fo- a big footprint. And in order to have a big footprint, you got to attract people. You know, people, uh, contrary to God, people look at the outward appearance. God looks for the heart, but you're you know, you you got to attract people. So you got to you've got to uh, give them what what's attractive to them, and they're looking at the outward appearance. So they're customers, and customers are accustomed to getting what's what they want. And you can't afford to offend them. You can't offend their sensibilities. You've got to give them what they demand, even down to the right brand of donuts in the foyer when they come in for their Starbucks coffee on Sunday morning, uh, you know, along with the right kind of music and the right time of meeting and the right length of meeting and all the stuff that would appeal to the people looking for the outward appearance these the devil would encourage us and has encouraged us that people want to be blessed and they're willing to work for it as long as they can earn a little bit because that makes them feel better about themselves if they have some input in their reward and so they they like that they love to get good deals but they don't like desperation. They, they like bargains. They don't want to have to pay full price for anything, so they, they like bargains, but they don't like to come empty-handed totally and say, I'm totally dependent. You know, they, don't, they, they look down their nose at beggars, so they would never be beggars. So don't, don't ever suggest to them that they have nothing to offer. They, they love religious hoops. They, they like to jump through religious hoops that, Tell them if they'll do certain religious things, you know, they're going to be blessed. If they pray enough, they read the Bible enough, they go to church enough, they give enough community service or whatever. They, they love all that. And uh, they, uh, they love fuzzy board, uh, borders, uh, boundaries. They, they don't like any, uh, any kind of strict boundaries, absolute type stuff. They like fuzzy stuff that's uh, basically determined by the person himself or the people themselves. They, they like to make their own rules, in other words. 
And they absolutely love inclusive language. They don't, they don't want anybody to feel excluded, and, and, and you can't, uh, you can't even intimidate, uh, intimate that. And uh, they're really high on being authentic. Uh, you know, just as long as a person is true to him or herself, then that's all God would ever expect of anyone. They, uh, so so the, you certainly don't want to suggest anything different from that. So they, they, they are going to reject notions of sin and the fact that sin would require blood, that there would have to be a sacrifice. Uh, don't, don't, don't deal with blood because that offends their sensibilities and it speaks too much. Uh, it reeks of primitive religion and uneducated, uneducated minds. So uh, don't, don't go that. Don't go there. It's also important that you understand they they're big on self improvement. They 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 like to get better. They want to be better. They want to be uh, thinner. They want to be younger. They want to be better. They want to be more skilled. They want to be. They just feel better about themselves when they're when they're working on being better. So give them a lot of stuff to be better about and and put religious connotations to it, and, and they'll think that somehow being better is what pleases God, and that they'll love that. They're really big. You need to understand this if you're going to be, build a big footprint and influence and attract a lot of people, that they're big in waiting for God, now waiting for certain standards in order to, to be blessed, to reach up to standards. You know, they, they'll set standards like, well, they love to they love to actually long for revival. They know things in our mess in their culture, and they love to long for revival, but it's always just a little bit about out of reach because uh, revival requires uh, more people to be involved, and and so that gives them an opportunity to blame each other for not being righteous enough for God to bless them, and so so they're down on people who. Uh, who are not living up to their moral standards because, after all, it's those people's fault that bad things are happening and that God doesn't revive things. So, so they, they they like that. So keep that going. Keep them longing for revival, praying for revival that's just beyond their reach. I think the enemy says to us, you know, keep that unity thing going. Uh, you know, tell them that unity is a standard that God has set. That God loves unity and He expects you to be in unity. And he was not going to bless you until you get in unity. And so you got to do whatever it takes. See, that, that'll force them to divest themselves of any kind of, in, uh, of uh, basic distinctives. They've they got to get rid of a, a lot of the foundational stuff in order to have unity. Because unity would be more important than, uh, than, than the whole truth. Because... Uh, you you got to reduce it down to the irreducible essentials, and basically that's going to be you know you need to be nice and you need to be good as much as you possibly can, and otherwise it, it doesn't matter. You know you can believe in whatever form of Jesus or whatever aspect of Jesus you want to. Uh, you know as a teacher, fine, but he you know he's not a savior, or he's a savior, but he's He's not a king, or you know, he's a king, but he he's not a shepherd, meek and mild shepherd, or you know, you, it's okay for them to create Jesus in their own image, as long as they you know they love Jesus and they are willing to get together in a meeting and all try to do things together. So, 
uh, keep keep unity in front of them as a standard. Don't don't ever let them know that unity is a fruit of of, of their being in union with God. That their shared life with God produces a unity that man can't produce. You know, keep them totally away from that. So I I don't know. I just think uh, that's part of what the devil has offered, and I think. Uh, I think we fell for it. I, I think, I think we're in a deal with the devil. Now we got the devil to pay. It's, uh, it's expensive. His deal, his deal has been accepted, and now it's costing us big time. What? What's it cost? Well, the, the influence of the church doesn't seem to have. Uh, that doesn't seem to have increased a great deal. We've got a big footprint. We've got bigger churches than we've ever had. We've got a lot more of them than we've ever had. Uh, a few years ago, the mega church was an unknown phenomenon. Last, uh, relative last few years, we've got mega churches everywhere, and we've got religious organizations. We've got religious TV, several networks of religious TV, and, and you've got all kind of stuff going on. And yet, at the same time, we're lamenting a a culture that's going toward uh, destruction at a rapid rate, even in a place where the church seems to be growing like crazy. So so we made a deal, but uh, the footprint is not working, uh, primarily because we've created a footprint exactly like the other corporations and institutions that have followed the, the model of the God of this world, of uh, trying to have influence by size and, and instead of really dealing with the issue where God's looking at the heart. We, we have a lot of people going to church, but there's no real solutions being offered to people's enslavement. Those addicted have to go to other kind of, uh, other kind of ministries outside of the church. And and we're debating uh, the whole issue of homosexuality and same-sex attraction and pornography and uh, transgender and all of those things and, and wringing our hands to a great degree because it's like, well, these people, that's just kind of the way they are. And we, we can't tell people it's wrong to be the way they are. They're trying to be true to themselves. And so we offer no solution because, you see, without the bloody death of Christ, in crucifixion and his miraculous resurrection, uh, there's no new life. There's just a trying to work out and organize and restructure, reorder the old life, and sin goes too deep to be fixed by moralistic standards and by self-improvement. So the church is becoming more irrelevant to people's real problems while we're becoming more relevant in our forms of entertainment and attraction and consumer models. And so the church now finds itself fighting for a place in society. We're, we're astounded that civil government sees no need for us anymore, that it's in the process of revoking any kind of tax benefits that we may have because those tax benefits were given to the church and to nonprofit organizations, religious organizations, because they were helping society. But now, evidently, we're not helping society enough 
that it's worth it. And so uh, official, government officials are debating how, how can we eliminate the, the tax preferences there and use that money for, for itself. So, so the church is, uh, is showing that it's not being respected and appreciated and valued by, by the society. And then, you know, we're fussing about it because we're saying they don't, they don't value us. Well, is it because we're not adding value? Uh, we're not really solving problems that nobody else is solving. Uh, the gov- can the government fix people as well as the church if if the whole matter is just a matter of psycholo- uh, psychology or uh, dealing with economic issues and so forth, if that's it. So uh, we're... We're having to, we're having to pay up. The devil said, "I'll I'll let you have a society where you have uh, good morals and uh, good standards and government affected by that." And you know, uh, I, I don't mind American civil religion because the devil knows that it is no threat to the gates of hell. And. He knows that eventually mankind will take good morals, good ethics, good values, good standards, and ultimately jettison them because fallen mankind will always exalt his own selfishness. The devil knows that. He, he rules that world. And so that's why he's willing to deal. Now, we should have known. We, we had... A, we had a witness. We had a warning. You see, the Old Testament Israel well, had uh, they had good laws. They had the very best laws that could ever be. They had the greatest laws that mankind's ever seen. They were handed down from heaven, written by God. They were there's there's no flaw in the laws given by God. They had good standards. They were based on good values. They they valued dignity of man. They valued property. They valued, there's just no flaw in the values and in the ethics and in the laws and the community that it created was was a great community built built around those laws the community of Israel was just fantastic but that uh that whole project failed because these people even with all of that failed as image bearers of God in the earth and that's what we were told and designed to do. Don't you think it's strange that today we're trying to get that back? I mean, we're tr- it's like, man, I'd be satisfied if we could get America back to where we were in the 40s and the 50s. And uh, wasn't that wonderful? Really? So we want to we want to settle for a, a society that's uh, has good values and good morals and and good laws and, and good community. Uh, that's what that's what we want to settle for. Well, that's not what God settled for. God wanted to God wanted to restore man. He wanted to reconcile man. God created man to enjoy God as much as God enjoys Himself. He He created man to uh, to be His image bearer in the earth, to subdue the earth in partnership with Him. God created man to to live at the height of joy, not not to survive in just a a survivable environment, but he created him to to rule through love on, on the earth. And so God sent his own son 
and identified with humanity, became a man made out of the mud of the earth, identified with the material world, and said, I will become one of these. And in his righteous living, he 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 did what man was designed to do. In his sacrificial death, where his blood was shed on the cross, he paid the sacrifice, paid the penalty of our sin, and and God accepted that sacrifice as sufficient for our sin. And, and then God raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in the place where mankind was destined to rule over what God had given him. And then, and then God sent the Holy Spirit from heaven, the same Spirit that, that lived in Christ, that motivated Christ, that energized Christ, the same Spirit that demonstrated the love of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit was sent to indwell believers so that they could be restored to God as image bearers and they could relate to God the same way that the Father relates to the Son, who relates to the Spirit, relates to the Father and the Son. And he did all of that so that there could be a community of people on the earth who were actually doing what God designed man to do and that could affect any culture because they're so radically different. But it's that kind of people that throw throw fear into the heart of hell. The gates of hell cannot stand up against that kind of church. But it's a church that whose foundation is the, is the cross, the cross of Christ where where he not only died for our sin, but made it possible for us as fallen individuals to die with him and for our fallenness to die and to have the spirit of resurrection living in us so that there's new hope and there's new power and there's transformation and there's reconciliation and there's restoration and we can get about doing the will of God and blessing our cultures and blessing our civilization because we have a new life in us and that we really can address the problems that assail humanity. We can really address the problem of abortion that comes from a murderous spirit from hell, that we really can address the problem of perversion that comes from the perverted, lying, deceiving one who would take every good gift that God gives and try to use it to pervert it to dishonor God and to build shame into our lives. We really can offer a, a, a solution to people held in the bondage of bitterness and hatred. We really can. And, and in doing that, those people then began to change the structures of their society so that, so that even civil, civil structures are no longer enslaving and oppressive and prejudicial and, and every life does really matter. So, Jesus has got a better deal, but we we give it up when we are willing to to deal with the devil to say we'll take a value ruled kingdom, but not a blood ruled kingdom. So we're paying the debt, but all is not lost because there's still room to repent. There's still room to come. To Christ. There's still room to get it right. And the reason there's room is because Jesus did defeat the devil that day in the wilderness. And he said no to a 
Messiah-ruled world without the cross. He said, you, you should, you're to worship the Lord your, your God, and him only shall you worship. And the God that Jesus submitted to, the father that he submitted to, is, is a father who's willing to send his own son to die. He's willing to, to, to suffer the consequences himself of man's sin. And we can come to that Jesus who has, who has won the day against, against Satan, and we can enter into his deal. We can enter in the deal that Jesus made with the devil. And what deal was that? I will not listen to you. Have no part in me. And when Jesus died on the cross, he ripped, he ripped from the hand of Satan any authority, any and all authority. He ripped from him the keys of death and hell. He ripped from him his rule over, over people through deception because Jesus himself is the truth. So we can enter into the deal that Jesus is operating in with Satan, and we do not have to to live with with the deal that mankind makes. But that means repentance. Repentance. What, what does that mean? That means that we must rethink this whole thing. Our our minds must change. What what is the church? What what have we been called to do? What what does it mean to worship God as a people of God today? It means to exalt His Son. It means to it, it means to centralize and focalize, uh, focus upon the the gospel of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, and and the empowered church. So, if we're willing to do that and get rid of all of this, uh, all of this substitute stuff, all of this, if if you'll do better, God will bless. If you'll do certain things, you can earn God's favor. Jesus has already done all that it needs to get God's favor. All the blessings of God are in Christ Jesus. How do we enter into them? By being in Christ Jesus and by believing according to that, by living in an awareness of that. So if we are really concerned about our world, if we're really concerned about our culture, if we really do feel like God put us on the earth to be image bearers and that we are as his image bearers to partner with him in subduing his creation, then uh, then we we don't just work on building a footprint. We we live in the in the print of the cross and, and the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we. We embrace that, so we we come to we come to him in faith and repentance, and and we we acknowledge that God looks upon the heart and not just not just the outward appearance. And if we are going to do God's work, we have got to learn to look the same way. Uh, we, we're not con- we can't be content just to attract crowds. We can't be content to be uh, a consumer pleasing. Uh, institution or organization, we we must offer what God says is the solution, because what God says is the problem is deeper than we have uh, been willing to admit. So, uh, have we cut a deal with the devil? I'm afraid we have, but but Jesus cut a better deal with the devil when he put him in his place, and Satan is a defeated foe in Christ for those, for Jesus and for those in him. And so 
let's enter into the deal that Jesus made and live in the victory that is in that. And let's begin magnifying that message and magnifying the sacrifice of Christ and the exaltation of Christ and the benefits of Christ. And let's, let's embrace the community that comes out of that. And that community, like leaven, can bless the whole world that we live in. So there you go. That's what God is calling us to do, and that's what we can do. If you are one of those who have become tired and bored with whatever form of church uh, you've been offered, and there's something deep inside of you that's crying out for something more, I can tell you that something more is it's Christ. I, I don't know how, how else to say it. It's, it is his life. It's his living. It's his love. It's his mission. It's his vision. It's, it, it's all of, of, about him. And there, there is more. There's more joy in him than you can stand. There, there's more adventure in him than you can endure. There, there's, there's more enticement. There's more satisfaction of your own curiosity in him than you have any idea. And, and so I would say to you, if Jesus is still just the historical figure of the Bible, and, and if he's just a good teacher and a good man, and, and he's a subject of a lot of songs that you've sung, and, and you, if that's who, what he is to you and he's nothing more, then I, I want to ask you, acknowledge that before God. Just say to him today, in honesty, Lord, I want to know Christ. I, I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his suffering and and the power of his resurrection and his transformation. I want to know him in all of his fullness. I I don't just want to know the story about his past stuff. I want to know him, the living word. And uh, I, God promises you he will open your eyes and let you see what it means to walk as one of Christ's followers. And then uh, you'll have eyes to see him wherever he is and all, all the others. So, Father, I pray that uh, you would give us eyes to see that it, have we been a part of, of making a deal with the devil? Have we bought into a, a kingdom, a pseudo-kingdom? Have we bought into a kingdom that Satan permits and even encourages because it is not radical and it's not bloody and it does not require death? Show us that if we've done that, and if, if, if and when we have, give us the grace of repentance to, to simply throw ourselves upon you and go, oh, Lord Jesus, why would we settle for such a kingdom when we can be a part of your kingdom where Satan has been defeated by what you've done and we can live in victory? So we throw ourselves upon you with trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Dudley Hall from Kerygma Ventures. Additional copies of this resource, as well as a wide range of discipleship materials, is available from our website. You may make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Dudley Hall or Kerygma Ventures, please visit us online at www.kerygmaventures.com. That's K E R. Y-G-M-A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S 
www.thepeopleshow.com.